want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Real righteousness means real relationship. Let's continue in the series, The Orphan Spirit with Pastor John. Buenos dias a todos. Buenos dias. All right, all right. All right, today we're going to continue with our subject, The Orphan Spirit. Hoy continuamos con nosotros tema el espíritu huérfano. Thank you. But you knew what I meant, right? No, I'm just joking. Yeah. The orphan spirit has prevented the church from truly receiving the love of the Father. El espíritu huérfano, el impido que la iglesia realmente reciba el amor de Padre. And has kept us in a position of mediocre Christianity. Y nos ha mantenido en una posición de cristianismo mediocre. We have been rebellious, disobedient, unable to show love, and unable to receive love. No se puede mostrar amor, no se puede recibir amor. Estos son solo algunos síntomas de espíritu these were just a few symptoms of the orphan spirit. But if we look at Romans chapter 8, 15, it says this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See, the orphan spirit is a spirit of bondage that causes us to fear. Now, listen to this very closely. The Bible tells us that God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's what he gave us. So if God didn't give us the spirit of fear, then who did? Right. But here's the problem. You can't receive something unless you take it. So at some point, somewhere in our life, somebody offered you the spirit of bondage. And you took it, you received it, and you held on to it. You may not be able to look at it. You may not be able to look back to see what day it was or what exactly happened. But for some reason, we have fear. And this orphan spirit is a spirit of bondage that causes fear. And fear is behind pride. Fear is behind rebellion. And fear is behind disobedience. A lot of us don't know that. What do you mean fear and pride? Well, pride, a lot of times, we, we're so proud about things, but we hope we put up this wall about how good we are because we're only proud about the stuff we do good. But we make it really big because we don't want people to really see who we really are. So we set up this false wall of pride when really we're saying, I'm afraid that you'll see that I'm really not what I appear to be. Fear. Rebellion. Why are you rebellious? Why don't you want to listen to the word? Because you want control. A lot of us are fearful of giving up control because if I don't have control in my life, then I'm going to end up doing something I don't want to do. Fear. And the same thing with disobedience. It's all fear. Now, our goal is to recognize this spirit operating in our lives and receive the spirit of adoption. La semana pasada aprendimos el espíritu huérfano no es lo que piensa. Last week we learned the orphan spirit is not what you think. It's not about what you think. 
1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2 says this. If anyone, somebody say anyone. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. Now, you guys ever sit down and try to give somebody some instruction, parents, and somebody looks at you and goes, and that somebody's your children? I know. Amen. <laughs> you guys ever get that? I know. What that means is I'm not listening to you. I already got it all. I've gotten the full capacity of knowledge to what you're trying to tell me. And there's nothing you can tell me that I don't already know. I don't care if you've been through it. I know. And God is saying to us right now, when you get to that point about God, what you're telling God is, I already know. I'm not listening to you. And you do things your way. That's why he says you know nothing. There's a lot of things that we will get to know in life. Hay muchas cosas que conocemos en la vida. But when it comes to knowing God and anything about him, pero cuando se trata de conocer a Dios y cualquier cosa acerca de él, we need to be in a place where we say we don't know much about God. Necesito, necesitamos estar en lugar donde decimos no sé mucho sobre él. Now, we learn that we have to find God on our knees, not in a book. Come on, you guys. What do you mean by that? We learn more about God through suffering. Aprendamos más acerca de Dios a través del sufrimiento. It is the suffering that brings us to our knees. Es el sufrimiento lo que nos pone de rodillas. Suffering brings you to your knees. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you, and I say this time and time again, if it had not been for that bad news, that breakup, that lost business, that failure, that diagnosis of death or sickness, you wouldn't be as close to God as you are right now. You know, that new car, that new house, that new job, and all that thing did not cause you to seek God. You praised him. You thanked him. But you thank the bank teller when they cash your check and it didn't bounce. But when you started seeking God, it wasn't until you started getting on your knees or something caused you to get to your knees. I don't know if you've ever been hurt so bad that you just dropped to your knees. We have to find God on our knees in submission. Nuestras rodillas in submission. Our, on find him on our knees in prayer. Nuestras rodillas en oración. We have to seek God with our hearts and not our heads. David said in Psalms 119.10, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. And then Jeremiah 29.13, God says to Jeremiah, And you will seek me and find me. A lot of us like to stop right there. But if we read the rest of the scripture, it says, when you search me with all your heart, not with all your head. Learning scriptures is good, but we must have an experience if we want to remember. You guys, experience is what causes us to remember things. Now, what I taught and taught you about last, last week was this. Look. If I asked you guys this, and you guys learned this, everybody learned this that's in here that went to school. If I asked you to name the seven continents and their locations, most of you wouldn't be able to. 
if I looked at you and said, what war was known as the war that end all wars? You wouldn't be able to tell me that. Some of you would, but not all of you. If I asked you guys where the location of North Dakota is, would you be able to point it out on a map? Most of you know. Why? You learned it in school, so why don't you remember? But I can tell you this, if I asked you who was the first person to break your heart, you tell me. You know their name, you remember when it was. If I asked you the first time that uh, that violation of touch, you'll remember when it was, you'll tell me who it was. And, and you, if I asked you who was the first person you fell in love with, you tell me that too. Why do you remember that but don't remember the other things? Because you had an experience. When you have experiences, it helps you remember. We learned last week, this is the whole purpose why doctors and nurses have to do internship. They go through a time of learning in school, reading, learning, and then it's time to do hands-on experience. So they go in there and they have an experience with their hands-on. Once they're done with the experience, they go into practicing medicine. They would not remember everything just from the books unless they've experienced it firsthand. This is what happens to us with God. So many of us know about God from reading the Bible, but we've never allowed an experience with him. This is why so many people are turned away from the church. They don't know anything about Christianity because they read the Bible and they just read it and they have a head knowledge of him. But God does not reside in the heads of men. God resides in the hearts of men. This is why when we come to Christ, we say, Jesus, come into my He, he, rely, he, he resides in our hearts. See, you guys, experiences will determine how you think. We learn that um, if we have bad experiences, we have negative thinking. So, for instance, Tahoe Joe's. I'm not trying to make y'all hungry. But if you go to Tahoe Joe's, you're in Vacaville, and you order some food, and, and, and no, okay, I'll say it for the sake of argument. You go to Applebee's. So you go to Applebee's, and you're at Applebee's. You order something. They bring out the food. The waitress brings out your food. Or your, first, she brings out your drinks, and she has her fingers in the top of the cup. She sets it down. Here you go, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you need anything else? Okay. Then she comes back out. Half hour later, your food's cold. Your food's cold, dry, but the plate's hot, right? Oh, be careful. The plate's hot. But she got her thumb right in the middle of your, your macaroni and cheese. She hands that down, and she's like, do you need any napkins? <laughs> Applebee's. So now no, you're like, oh, man, this is terrible. It's, 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 it's terrible. You're never going to eat there. Your food was nasty. The service was terrible, and, and it took forever, right? Applebee's, okay? That was Applebee's in Fairfield. Now I'm going to take you to Applebee's in Sacramento. You go to Applebee's in Sacramento, I pull up and go to Applebee's. like, uh-uh, I ain't going to Applebee's. Don't like Applebee's. You guys with me? So what you do is because you had a bad experience at one Applebee's, you now judge all the other Applebee's because of the bad experience with the one Applebee's. Are you guys hearing me now? I, I can just preach on this one subject for the rest of the day. It, 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 it happened because people have bad experiences at certain places. We want to judge the whole thing. We want to throw out the whole bunch when there's one bad apple. But because we had an experience... We remember that experience, and it determines how we think about everything else. This, this is a, a, a for instance here. I mean, it probably doesn't mean anything to you, but, you know, if you've ever had one bad experience with one police officer, that doesn't mean all the police officers are bad. If you continue to have, listen, I'm just trying to help you guys out. If you continue to have bad experiences with police officers, you know what that probably means? 
it's you. You didn't want to hear that one. So our experiences determine how we think. If you had one bad relationship with one person, then you start judging other people based upon that last relationship. Can I get an amen? I, I know right now my wife wouldn't have it if I judged her based upon my other relationships I've had. Ain't fair. Just because you've been hurting other churches doesn't mean it's this church. Don't treat me like your last pastor. Give me a chance. I'm giving you a chance. You don't know how many times I've been hurt, but I don't judge you based upon the last person that hurt me. It's called grace. So much of our Christianity is based upon what someone else has told us. A lot of you guys in here right now are Christians because of what you heard. Amen? But you stop there. You never seek to learn. You, you wait for somebody to tell you about God instead of finding out God, about God for yourself. For instance, once again, I, I like painting pictures for you. I wouldn't, earlier I said we sit in front of a box, but they're not boxes anymore. They're panels. They're flat screens. We sit in front of a flat screen. We wait for the media to tell us how we should think about certain things. We never investigate anything. Our investigation is just turning the next channel and finding out what they're saying. And we wait. We do that with Christianity. You hear what the pastor says. And yes, I say you should trust me, but you should be opening up your Bibles and seeing if I'm, what I'm saying is so. And then after you read it and I'm preaching it, you get that little nugget. And then when you go into life, you have that experience. You remember what you heard, the word of God, because the spirit of God says that he'll bring it back to remembrance. And when you remember it as you're going through it, then you're learning an experience. You're having an experience with God, which will begin to change your thinking. See, right now, how many people like problems? How many people like suffering? Exactly. But the Bible tells us we should love it. Because we haven't changed our thinking. You know why? Because it's in the suffering that we become more like Christ. If our desire and our heart is to become more like God, then we should covet suffering. I didn't get one amen. What you talking about, preacher? Come next week. That's what we're preaching about. We are all content with hearsay. And the problem of depending upon secondhand information is we never have an experience. It's in the experience that we really get to know. Most of, most of us only know about love based upon what others have told us or what we've seen from far off. So a lot of us say that we love somebody, but we don't even know what love is. Love is something that I've seen on TV. There's lots of, you know, love stories. They got, like, married, switch after seven or something like that. And all these things on TV that talk about love. But that's a head knowledge of love. Quiet. See, when love is here, you're going to forget eventually. You forget you're in love because now you see something that looks a little better and you forgot that you were in love and made a promise and an oath to somebody else because that love was here. But when love is in your heart, you don't forget. Yeah, you see something that looks good, but you're like, mm -mm, no, my heart is not my own. It belongs to somebody else because I've had experience. I've gotten to know. I let, I let what I thought move from my head into my heart. Love isn't found in your head, it's found in your heart. And this is why God loves us heart to heart, not from heart to head. 
You can't experience the love of God in your mind. Let me remind you of our goal today. Our goal is to begin to receive the love of the Father so that we can know that we are all sons or children of God. A lot of Christianities, or a lot of us as Christians, think that Christianity is about living a life that doesn't sin. Yeah, bless you. You guys hear me? How many people, that's, that's their goal. It's like, I don't want to sin anymore. About four of y'all, okay. I got some preaching to do. Get ready. So many of us think the, the whole point of being a Christian is living a life that's sinless. I'm, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I don't want to sin anymore, and I want to be able to have power over the temptation. And the thing. That's not what this is all about. We're aiming for the wrong target, saints of God. What we should be aiming for is to love Jesus Christ. We've been aiming for holiness instead of love. Last week I said something very shocking to you guys. And I said this, God doesn't want us to live by obedience. He doesn't want us to live by obedience. He wants us to love him because love always aims to please. You guys ever been in love? Didn't you just want to please that person you were in love with? Come on, that was an opportunity for a married man or married woman to just celebrate God. At the, yes, I love my husband. I want him pleased. I love my wife. I do anything for her. I just want to serve her. Charles, I don't know, man. I don't know. You can be, listen, you can be obedient and not be in love. But you can't be in love and not want to please. I was in the military. They always told me what to do. That didn't mean I love my sergeant, my first sergeant. When he tell you to do something. So the whole thing is, but when I'm in love with somebody, when I'm in love with my wife or my love with my, my family members and love, I want them, I want them to be pleased. And it's not by rules. It's because I love them. When you have a love, like my son Judah loves me. He loves me so much. My, my son Judah does not want to, anything to interfere with our relationship. He makes mistakes, but he, and you know, when he gets in trouble, his biggest worry is, dad, are you disappointed with me? He ain't worried about the whooping. Well, he probably worried about the whooping. <laughs> but he knows the whooping's only going to be for a, a short time. But his biggest concern is, are you disappointed in me? Because, Dad, I want you to be proud and happy, and, and I, I want you to be pleased with my actions. That's what a son does. Hmm. Listen, you guys, so many of us, Think that it's all about keeping rules, being a Christian. John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we're always saying, well, God, I want to prove to you that I love you by doing what you say. And that's not what God's saying. God is saying, if you love me, don't worry about keeping the commandments because you love me. You're just going to naturally do it. That's why the guy came up to him and said, Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And, and Jesus said, listen. You should love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like the first. You'll love your neighbor as you love yourself. Herein lie all the commandments are found in these two commandments. So basically what it's saying, what is he telling you? If you love me with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, you're automatically going to love your brother. And when you love people the way that you love yourself, you'll keep the rest of the commandments. You ain't even got to focus on it. I don't even have to write them down because you'll automatically do it when you fall in love with me. 
Love always aims to please. Obedience is only relevant when you're doing something you don't want to do. Amen? I don't, I've never heard anybody say this to me. When I go, hey, man, eat this ice cream. They're going, oh, I'm only going to eat it because I'm being obedient. <laughs> you're going to eat the ice cream because it's something you want to do. Right? But if I say this, watch this. We're all going on a fast next week. I don't want to, but I'm going to be obedient. Right? Listen, God's goal is not to produce obedient followers. That's not what he's trying to do. You might do the right thing, but it's not from the right heart, and it's a whitewashed tomb. Matthew 23, 27 through 28 says this, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so you are also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Look, you could be doing it on the outside, but on the inside, just have a rebellious spirit. Just, okay, I'm just going to do it, but on the inside, you need I'm going to do it because you told me to do it, but right now on the inside, I'm not doing it. How many people in here want to be holy? But if I asked you what holy was, would you be able to tell me? Most people get holiness and righteousness mixed up. Holiness is a commandment of the Lord. We see it in Leviticus 11.45, 19 and 2, and Leviticus 20 and 7. And Peter echoes these same things in 1 Peter 1 and 16. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And Jesus said, I'm holy, so you need to be holy. If you want to be like me, I'm Christ. I'm Christ. If you want to be a Christian, which means Christ-like, and follow after me, then you need to be holy also. But we got to find out what holy is. I could tell you to be something, but if you don't know what it is, you, and you just think you know what it is, you're fooling yourselves. So let me tell you what it is so we can no longer be fooled. Holiness, first of all, is a byproduct of love and relationship. Holiness is a byproduct of love and relationship. Holiness simply means this, dedicated for a specific use. So when God said, remember the Sabbath day in Exodus 20 and 8, he says, remember the Sabbath day and make it holy. Keep it holy. What he said is, take that day, set it apart, don't use it for anything else but to rest and worship me. Set it aside. Nothing else. Nothing else. So when I married my wife, when I grew in love with my wife, I said, listen, I'm giving you my heart. I'm setting myself, my emotions, my, my feelings aside for you and only you. Separated. Sanctified. Set apart. This is what holy means. God says you need to be sanctified, set apart for the use of the master. That you will only worship me and me only. But I don't want you to do that out of rules. So many of us are aiming to be holy instead of aiming at the right target. We're aiming at the target of holiness and not at the target of love. If we love God, we will set everything aside for him. The same way, naturally, when we love somebody, we set other things aside for them. We also think that righteousness is right behavior. Hopefully, I'll set somebody free with this. Righteousness is simply being in right relationship with God. 
having a right relationship with God. Jesus Christ is our righteousness, and because of him, we can now have a right relationship with God. Now watch this. I need you guys to understand this. King David was a man after God's own heart. That means relationship. He just wanted a deeper relationship with God. Now, I need to just bring some things to your mind about David that some of you guys probably don't know or maybe even thought of. But David, from the time of a kid, he was rejected. He was forgot about by his own family. He got the, the lowest job in the family. How do I know this? Because when Samuel showed up to David's dad's house, Samuel said, go get your sons. And he got all his sons but David. Left David out in the field. Didn't even consider David. So how would you feel if your father, your mother didn't even consider you? That they forgot. Somebody y'all know how this feels already. Your dad had left you. He ain't even checked up on you. Never even called. And you trying to figure out why. You know that feeling? David felt it. But David learned something through the suffering. While he was out there forgotten about, out there by himself, he learned to follow God. He learned to seek after God. It was through his suffering that he got a relationship in Christ. It was by the silent time and the quiet time that he was out in the wilderness that he learned to love God. And this, when he had the relationship, he also learned that, man, God, when things happen, when a bear shows up to steal one of the lambs, you've given me strength to deliver the lamb. And when the lion showed up, you've given me strength to deliver the lamb from out of the lion's mouth. And not only deliver him, but I slew, I slew both of the bear and the lamb. See, it, we, we think about David with Goliath, but you don't know the struggle that he went through before he even got to Goliath. He was in right relationship. Now, now, mind you, why am I saying all this? He had a great relationship with God. And do you realize that there are Levitical laws, there are laws that have been written that if you broke these laws, you would die. You were to be put to death. King David broke more Levitical laws than his predecessor, King Saul. King Saul was appointed, then disappointed because he broke the law. When he didn't listen to what God said, you guys listen to this very carefully. Why wouldn't God do the same thing to David? Because he was in right relationship with God. Listen, my sons, they mess up. They get grace from me because they're in right relationship with me because they're my sons. They mess up. I give them grace because they're my sons because they're obedient. They listen to their dad. They love and they respect me. My grown sons and my little son, they love me. But if you're a stranger and you do something, you ain't getting grace from me. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe you didn't catch that. See, David had a relationship with God, so he got grace. Saul had a relationship with Samuel, not with God. See, he had a relationship with the man of God, but he didn't have a relationship with God. Yeah, see, guys, see, so many people are trying to get a relationship with me instead of getting a relationship with God. Like, I could, like you're going to find favor with me. I, it, favor with me ain't going to get you nowhere in the kingdom of God. You need to get, have a right relationship with God so when you mess up, you can get grace from God and not grace from me. My grace won't get you into heaven. <laughs> you guys remember the prodigal son? Prodigal son, this is a cool part. Prodigal son was the bad son, right? He became a hero. While the one that did everything right became the bad guy. Do you guys know the story? 
prodigal son comes home, right? Comes home. He, he, did, he went out and spent up everything, did all this crazy stuff. His father went out and met him because he was in right relationship with his father. But the one that did everything right was at home. You know what he did? Why, why are you celebrating him? Hater. He ends up being the bad guy. Because he didn't have a relationship with his father. Because if he saw that his father was pleased that his brother returned home, if he was in right relationship with his dad, he would have been happy too. I'm going to preach to four people. I, I know there's going to be four people that I'm going to preach to you today. You guys know Joseph was favored over his brothers. You know why? Because he always stood by his father's side. He was in right relationship with his father. Righteousness isn't about behavior. It's about relationship. When you're in right relationship with God, you are righteous. And what makes us righteous is Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness. Now, you guys know here at the building, we're all about real relevant relationships. With Christ first and then with each other. But it's not from following rules. It's not about a bunch of rules. Now, don't get me wrong. Rules are important. Without them, there's anarchy, chaos, and, and confusion. And according to 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So listen, God does set up rules. Without them, there's anarchy. We have to have rules. We have to have laws. Amen. If there wasn't laws, like right now you're thinking, man, I wish there wasn't any laws until somebody violates you. It's, it's fine when somebody else, like when you're doing something, but when it happens to you, all of a sudden you want law. It's another message. You should be writing this down for me. I'm going to bring this to a close. I just need to add something to everybody that's listening uh, here, those that are listening via the Internet. I need to say something. I am not against rules or laws. I just know if there is love, you are free from the law. I didn't say that you're free to do anything you want. I said you're free from the law, which means if you're in love with God, you don't have to worry about the law. You know, one thing I learned is what we're doing here about our community is if I can get you to fall in love with the community, I'm not going to have to tell you to do anything to help the community. I grew up here in Susun. I love this city. Love it. And I see things and I drive around. It bothers me about some of the stuff that I see. And, and, and here's the point. I can sit down and point at it all day. And I can talk about it. And I can talk about our government. And I can talk about the people that are working. Or I can do something about it. And I said, God, you know what? You placed me here in Susun. My, I don't know, maybe because I grew up here, but I love Susun. And, and because I love Susun, I love the people in Susun. And I want people to be changed. And how do I want them changed? By experiencing the love of God. So I try to get you to fall in love with Susun just like I'm in love with Susun. But I can't expect you to love this city if you don't love this city's God. See, I said something prophetically that you don't understand. The, the, the God of this city is Jesus Christ. There's a lot of witchcraft and manipulation and a lot of things that are hovering in this atmosphere, but my God is the God of all gods. He is the one and true living God. And if I can get you to love God and receive the love of Christ, 
that you'll be able to turn around and love your, your brothers as you love yourself. We will win this city over for Jesus Christ. Your righteousness is not found in you doing and following the law. Your righteousness is being in right relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 John 2 and 5 said this, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know we are in him. When you keep God's word, it just comes natural when you just love him. See, a lot of people don't realize, why is it that there's people that really fall in love with God that all of a sudden start doing right things? Like in China. Well, well let's talk about China where Christianity, you can, can be killed for being a Christian. You got people that only can read, that ever only read one page of the Bible. But yet, you would say, you would, you, you would say man, they're following everything that God told them to do. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. How is that? I'm going to tell you how that is. Because they truly fell in love with God. And when they fell in love with God, they received God. God is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word is God. And God says, no longer am I going to write the law on stony tablets, but I'm going to write it upon their heart. So therefore, they're able to walk out what God has called them to do and called them to be. It isn't about what they read in the rules and regulations. They just want to love and know God more and more. Why do I love my wife so much now and I didn't love her this much a long time ago? Generally, if you think about it, naturally, it's like but when you first meet somebody, you're really in love with them until you find out that they pick their nose and pick their toes. Then you're turned off, right? You're like, oh, no, nah, I, I don't love you as much as I thought I did. You were never in love. Because love is from God, and that of God is fruitful, and it grows. See, I fell in love with my wife, and now I, well, I grew in love with my wife, and I love her more today than I ever have before. And it, and it wasn't just in the good times, saints. Me and my wife have been through a lot. But it's through our struggles and our hard times that we grew together even closer. That's why Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made, transformed, conformed into the image of Christ getting ahead of myself I want to know you better God I want to have an experience with you so that when I have an experience every other issue every other part of you I'll be able to see I'll be able to fall in love with it's a process and through this process I'm being made more and more like you I'm going to love this process I'm going to love the suffering that I'm going through I'm going to change my mind and change my thinking because I want to be righteous I want to be in right relationship with you you said in your word that a brother is born for adversity. Just because somebody's born in your family doesn't mean they're your friend. Amen. Some of y'all right now hate your brother, ancestor, can't stand him. But you got friends that you care about more than you do your blood relatives. It's not a bad thing. It, it happens. But wouldn't it be great if somebody that was born of the same mother and father of the same father, whatever, you would not only blood, but your best friends? Wouldn't that be great? You know, Jesus is your brother. He's your friend. He said there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But a brother is born for adversity. What does that mean? A brother is born to go through some things with you. Why? So that you can become friends. So that you can be in right relationship. Yeah, you're my brother. We got the same blood, but we need to be friends. We need to go through something together. We need to work together. We need to hit some hard times. We need to bump each other's head. You know, the Bible says the iron sharpens iron. You know what that means? There's some friction that got to happen. 
When you rub two things together, there's friction, there's heat. And you know when somebody makes you mad, when you say, I'm heated. Listen, have you ever wondered why you've been to churches and, and like the, the preaching's great, pastor's lit, on fire, brings a good word. Worship team off the chain, got people singing, sounding good, got light show, great, everything's big, got thousands of programs, got all these things going on, but you walk in there and it's like, there's one thing missing. The people are cold and callous. You ever wonder why that happens? Let me tell you why it happens. First John 4, 6 through 8. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. You got a lot of churches, a lot of places that are meeting that they're doing the church stuff without God. And because you've had that experience with that church, you think all the other churches are like that. But God says, no, I have a true church. And there may not be a bunch of lights and fancy stuff. The people may not be able to sing well and the pastor might not be able to preach much. But there's one thing that's in that church and that's me, love. There are people in that church that are in right relationship with me. And I'm not just talking about the Building Christian Fellowship because I believe we have one of the best worship teams going. Just saying. Pastor can preach fire too sometimes. I'm just saying. Fire. Fire. But there's churches here in Susun City, I, I, in Fairfield, wherever you're at, that are true churches that have the love of God in the church. Because the people are filled with the love of God and they're sharing the love of God. If you've received the love of God, you'll be able to love on your brother. The reason why most of us struggle with love is because we haven't received that love from God. You have to receive the Father's love so that you can give it out. Saints of God, our righteousness is found in right relationship with Jesus Christ, not in following rules. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.